podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Tis that time of the season when the ghouls and goblins prowl. Witches ride their broomsticks and bonehead wildcats howl. So scrape your claws together and make some chilling noise for your haunted wildcatters of spooky Bosco boys. Boys are back, and you know, it's still the Monday of a bye week. We're gonna get you on Wednesday the Iowa State game preview. But I figured, you know what? We're less than a month away from basketball season kicking off. It's been a while since I've talked to this guy. He is the single most plugged in dude in all of K-State basketball when it comes to the media members. He's a fashion icon, he's great looking, and he has an even better looking girlfriend. He lives in Kansas City, but I still haven't seen him in way too long. It's probably my fault, not his. It's the man. It's the myth. It's the legend. It is the good Grant Flanders, a.k.a. Flando. Grant, how are you today, my friend? I'm good, man. It has been a while. I think the last time I was on a Bosco's featured presentation was a Bosco's uh, green room where I absolutely made a fool of myself. So I'm glad to be back and people can now uh, hear the more serious me. <laughs> Yeah, that was the uh, that was the lost show. We lost that show for a while. It took me like two weeks to get back. I eventually published it, uh, but oh. you were on one that night, so it, it didn't even publish like until a few weeks later. So uh, because of how because how raunchy it was. No, no, no. It, so it, it was a big audio file, and then the IT folks at Spotify lost it for a while. Oh, so wow. then I was like contacting their IT department, all this type of stuff, because I wanted the show. It was like a it was hilarious. but then uh it it took me a while we ended up publishing it but i don't i I don't think as many people probably heard it as if it would have been that week because it was the prediction show and is after the first week like the first game had already happened so it wasn't a lot but uh Mm -hmm. yeah that was a fun night that was a really fun night on spotify green room that was (laughs) we had a blast (laughs) it was The, the chat was popping off and speaking of spotify green room we're going live every wednesday at 7 p.m. Um, so this is just 100% honesty. The next Spotify Green Room will be during a USA Soccer World Cup qualifier. So I'm either going to have my mind not fully invested or I'm going to try to have to get Grant to do it or someone to do it for us. But there will be a show going at Wednesday, 7 p.m. It's going to be a fun time. But yeah, the, the, the reason for the season or the reason for this episode is basketball season – uh, is going to be here before you know it. The first exhibition game is on November 4th versus Pitt State, which, uh, you know, as w- when p- people are listening to this, so people will listen to this on October 11th. That'll be one, two, three and a half weeks away. And then the first regular season game will be November 10th, and that'll be four and a half weeks away. So it's really going to be here before you know it. Practice has kicked off. So I just wanted to talk to you about it. So Let's just jump into it. You weren't able to attend the open practice last week. I was there for a little bit, but before we talk about anything that I saw on the court or anything uh, really on the court, uh, Siri Lewis, it's been announced he's going to be out for the season. Looked like PAC was being held out uh, for full contact drills and full court drills. 
And there are a few other guys who seem to be limited. What, if anything, can you give us on injury status for guys on the team? Well, for Nigel Pack, I can ease anyone's minds on that. Just got word today, actually, and put it on the board. Um, hit, hit pointer for Nigel Pack, so nothing more than a week or three for him recovery-wise, so he's probably already almost back. Um, and then beyond that, yeah, Siri Lewis is out for the season. Uh, Carlton Lingard's coming back from injury still he had a back surgery that you know kept him out for a long long time after because he got that right after the season was over um so he's still he's still kind of easing back into it which is the reason why Weber's last press conference he was like we're a little thin at the bigs because until Lingard gets back because um you're looking and because Carlton Eziagra dealt with injury and they don't think he will be the same player that he ever was before injury which was basically before he ever really even played a game for K-State so um, that's interesting they still think it's gonna be a viable option but those are pretty much all the injury details I have Luke Kazuki he's pretty much all been been good to go you know ever since he was back um, way back in the middle of last season he hasn't had any hiccups um, uh, Maximus Edwards got back from his tibia injury um, and he's been working out so he's probably gonna be you know a late bloomer if this if he does bloom this season is probably gonna be later in the process just because he didn't really get to work out right away right away with the team when he got on campus during the summer so um I think that is all the injuries I got and then um just to add on because you said you were at the open practice I think there should be another open practice uh, ahead of the Iowa State game um and then a scrimmage against an actual opponent that next week I believe I don't know if that's going to be open to fans or not. And then um, I think and that's then the ex- typically the uh, secret scrimmage people aren't supposed to yeah. talk about. Grand. Well, Weber actually brought it up. It is oh, okay. interesting. Okay. Weber brought okay. it up on his on okay. his uh, on his presser. Okay, <laughs> that's good. And and they might have eased the rules about that, but but I think for a while it was like the secret scrimmage where it's like, oh, you can't officially say anything, and like, oh yeah, you know, box scores would leak out or something like that. Like but, when they were in Oregon. Yes, or they yeah. were in Colorado playing Oregon like a few years ago. Yeah, yes, yeah. and, and like mm-hmm. no one was supposed to know about it. Leaks out. Okay, well, yeah, I, I think that's fine as long as he brought it up. I, I actually <laughs> didn't have a question here specifically about PAC uh, when I was writing out this uh, outline because I was looking back over it, and that's on me. But I so let's just talk real quick about Nigel Pack. I saw you uh, giving him some love, some retweets when there was a list that was returning underclassmen playmakers Nigel Pack was not listed on that um why do you think it is like even though he had such a good season um at K-State last year he didn't make any all freshman teams with K-State and it's seemingly that he's flying big time under the radar in any sort of national or even regional talk about you know big time players uh in college basketball why do you think that is it is interesting because I mean, I'll throw this in there, too, before I really answer the question, because another undersized stud at K-State freshman went off last year, different sport football, Deuce Vaughn, got all the preseason hype that, that, you know, he he should have been afforded going into the season. Maybe even should have got a little more, but it is weird. Did, did, did Deuce Vaughn end up on on any uh, – did he get honorable mention or anything like that? I, last I year? think he I was honorable mention, but he made uh, freshman All-American list. Exactly, so. which yep. Nigel Pack didn't, which is, which is a travesty. I mean, that's, that's something that should have happened, but I think I can only chalk it up to being an awful season, and that's – and K-State, you know, can always gets disrespected. And when it, when it gets 
it gets doubly bad when you have a season like that, that bad of a season. Um, it doesn't really matter what the best player on the team's doing, um, especially at a place like K-State. Apparently, he's going to get disrespected for that, even though I genuinely believe, yes, he should have been on all-freshman team easily. And he should be on lists going into the season as at least one of the best uh, point guards in the Big 12, because of especially all the guys that left last year in the Big 12. I mean, I'm not going to say he's the best one. There's still some dudes, especially um, some some transfers coming into the league that will will step up and, and be tough competitors in that in that category as point guard. But when you're talking about a dude that uh, had one of the best assist to turnover ratios for a freshman on a team that just wasn't even good and his ability still out there to make shots and still look crisp on a team that didn't look crisp. Um, it's just a testament to him and I think should be, should excite K-State fans for what could come because this should be a, a much more sharper team than we saw last season, even with three new guys. Those three new guys are going to make this team sharper and you're getting the Nigel Pack that, you know, was a year through the system. Awful, awful year for everyone last year. and He still was a stud for this team. I think it's only going to get better. Definitely. So one of the things that really stuck out to me in the open practice is Mark Smith and his ability to score. He's gone through summer shoot arounds. He's gone through now just a little bit over a full week of practice. What have you heard on this guy? And as we're approaching the season, where are your expectations are? Like, what's our expectations you have for this guy? And how much do you, like, how much are they really getting ready to put on his shoulders going into the year? My story that dropped yesterday, you know, just kind of commemorating everything we heard from Weber last week and just my own thoughts. Um, it's time to get on the Mark Smith train. Uh, I think he's, I mean, that's the, that's kind of what the staff's thinking, obviously, you know, sources, other sources have been thinking that this guy is someone we need to buy into. Um, and you said, you saw his scoring ability. He's a big guard. You know, he, he's not, he's not a a small slender type dude. He's, he's going to be able to bully people, um, while also being a really solid perimeter player. Like you probably saw at that open practice. Um, he's, you know, he's a guy that I think is going to handle the ball probably almost as much as Nigel Pack. Um, you know, you know, I think both are going to run the offense. I mean, Nigel Pack, I think they will feed off each other a lot, obviously be on the court with each other a lot, but I do believe Mark Smith is going to be that second first. Those two are going to be the first and second option offensively, whether, whether it is starting the play or ending it. I do believe those guys are the go-to guys. Definitely. So. The other thing that was the biggest surprise, and again, I went into the open practice. I was only there for probably about 20, 30 minutes, and I knew Mark Smith was going to be a guy, and I was just blown away at his scoring ability. The other guy who I was really surprised about, and probably maybe even the biggest surprise, was Logan Landers. And again, um, I, I, I just wasn't expecting him because uh, I've watched your YouTube videos with him. I have gone back and watched game film on him. And again, I'm not a talent evaluator by any means, but he seemed to me to be a guy who, hey, it might take him uh, a year or two to get up to the point where you can really play at this level. But he surprised me. He looked really good in that open practice. Again, he was probably getting some time because there were some dudes, uh, you know, banged up. But I, I came away thinking, all right, maybe this guy might contribute some this year. Am I getting ahead of myself? Or do you think this will still be more of a developmental year for him? I mean, I want to say developmental, but I don't think it'll be two years. I think it might be a year that it really takes him. So next year, I think he could be a real, real piece. Um, this year, it could happen. And the reason why, the reason why he already looked good to you in that open practice is because 
of his discipline. That's really what it comes down to his dedication to the game and to getting better himself. I mean, yeah, just meeting him in Wisconsin, it, it was easy for me to realize this guy, high school or younger than me, is more dedicated than I've ever been in my life. And he showed that by getting up in the morning, going at it, working out, uh, focusing on basketball, focusing on school. He focuses on all the things he needs to focus on that a bad kid would, you know, wouldn't focus on, you know, someone like me. <laughs> so he's the, he's the epitome of, you know, just a go-getter. And I think that is what could make him expeditiously, you know, move into a role maybe this season. I mean, along with the fact that, like you said, and, and I brought up earlier, Carlton Lingard, you know, still coming back off injury, there's going to be injuries and Siri Lewis out for the season. The bigs need someone and he's a big, long dude and he can shoot the ball. Um, I think the one thing that holds me back from saying he can contribute this season is probably his, his, just his speed and size. I think he needs more conditioning and just overall uh, that is something I think strength and conditioning is something that he's going to have to work on the most to, because his skills already there. I think, you know, obviously he can going to continue to evolve that as he gets older and he, and he uh, plays the game, but I do believe um, his size, his, his, his strength and conditioning might hold him back this season. But then again, there's guys like Davion Bradford, who was not, you know, a fast guy by any means, big lumbering dude. And he made a, he made a living last year as one of the better players on this team. Definitely. Um, so the next one, you, you kind of mentioned he was coming back from an injury as well, but big easy. I, I think he was basically an inkblot test for K-State fans. I think the ones who tried to look at that season through purple glasses, even with all the L's, like myself, I, I thought he was a very good piece coming off the bench. I thought him being able to spell Davion, uh, like that was a great role for him. Others tried to chop him down and basically say he has no business being on the court. What are your thoughts on Big Easy, what he was last year, what he's going to be this year? And, uh, you know, do you think he's going to be able to take a step and really be a good backup for 10, 15 minutes a game when Davion has to come off? Or you think his role is going to diminish this year with maybe more going to Lingard or maybe two Landers? He'll be starting next to Davion at that stretch four position. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it's the running joke at KSL. If you want. TJ Warda, I think that's how you pronounce his, uh, his username. Check him out on KSL. He likes to be a good time. But uh, – no, uh, Easy's a guy that I think can be a solid piece off the bench. I mean, does what he needs to do. You know, he's a he's a does he doesn't have much skill to him. He's not. He doesn't going to have much offensive game. But he's defensively. I think even last year, without much explosion, showed to be a solid defender. He's not going to be easy in the lane. He is a really tough guy. Really, that's one of my favorite characters on the team. Just his toughness and and, and intensity um, is fun to watch out on the court when he's playing. Um, and I think. I mean, that's the thing. I think he's a really solid backup, less about what he can do on the floor and more about his intensity and his athleticism. I think he can be a solid piece. Yes, he's not nearly as athletic as he once was before his injury, but he's still a dude that's going to stand you up strong in the lane. And I just feel like as a backup center behind Davion, another dude who's, you know, really finding his way on both ends of the floor, I think that's all you need. Um, like, I even think I'd rather have Casey Iziagu, Iziagu's attitude maybe off the bench more than like a Mac Maywin's attitude off the bench, even though Mac Maywin brings in more skill um, at that position. That, that confidence and attitude is something I think is even more important off the bench 
And that's why I think he's not going to, yeah, he's not someone that we should be building up as some guy that's going to go out and score, you know, even more than seven points or five points per game by any means. Um, but he's a guy that can spell Davion and be a solid defender. And I think that's all he needs to be. Definitely. So speaking of Davion, AKA Davi dunks is like what I like to call him. How big of a step do you think he can take this season? I think he exceeded everyone's expectations last year. I think by the end of it, he actually became a solid defender as well, which is where uh, he kind of uh, got himself into trouble early on in the season. So do you think he can continue to improve and expand on his game? Or do you think he kind of is what he is at this point? Which, and, and let me say this, if, if, if that is all he is, and I think he can still improve, but I'm just, you know, a small brain yeah. dum-dum when it comes to basketball. <laughs> but like, I'll take that from my starting center almost every single year, what we got from Davion last year. So even if that was the case, I don't think that's some horrible thing, but uh, I'll, I'll defer to you. You have the sources, you have the better basketball mind. So what, what do you think we see from Davi this year? I think the things that he can improve on the most and from what, you know, sources tell me is his body, obviously still coming along. I think his body is going to be a project all four years, if not really I mean, if he gets, you know, when he plays professional basketball, wherever, whatever level that is after, I think it'll be a project even into those years. I think, you know, as he still grows and it's not, I mean, not grows, but as he still, you know, refines that body and gets stronger. Um, but I mean, K-State's obviously got a great strength and conditioning team, and that's something that they're going to continue to focus on and get him to that level. I mean, I think his body's going to be better than it was last year. I think his footwork, that's the thing, his footwork last year already was really solid for, for a guy his size, um, and his hands are really strong. Um, he's not, you know, he keeps that ball up. He's not afraid to go up and dunk. He's got, yeah, that's, that's the thing. He's already had a lot of things in his arsenal that you already liked as a freshman. But, yeah, he gets a little leaner, you know, a little even stronger, um, you know, in the weight room, uh, works on his footwork even more. I think that's that's where he's going to expand his game even more. The footwork part is something that he was solid at last year for a seven-footer, but something that he can become more technical at and become a better player because we already saw it. He had some stuff in him, which he probably didn't even know he had in him um, footwork-wise, and I think that's only going to evolve and get better. And then defensively, he's just got to get a lot better. I mean, that's something that I think all the coaches realize and I think they're probably working with him, you know, hard this offseason is making sure he can be a more viable option defensively and rebounding. I mean, that's another struggle he's had. So, yes, you like his offensive ability, but there are things that he can improve on, and I definitely think he will. Yeah. Uh, Ishmael Masad, Masood. Is it Masood or Masad? I don't Masood. I think it's Masood, but Masood. I, we, yeah. we just call him it might Ish. be Masad. Now that you say that, Masad sounds like it'd be right. Ishmael Masad. We'll just call him Ish, though. Uh, he, yeah. He's going to be starting at that stretch four position. Um, you know, this is a guy who, again, I, I'm not going to pretend to have as many sources as you, but the, the one guy I have, he, he was most pumped about this pickup of all the transfer pickups, even more so than Mark Smith. And I think it's because he fits and allows the Bruce Weber offense to run the way that they want it, having him at that position as the four. Um, what do you expect uh, from him? Is he going to be able to unlock his full potential since he's not going to have to play the center like he was at Wake Forest? And do you think he is maybe the hidden key to unlocking this offense's ability to score more points? Is, is uh, your source KSU Freak? 
No, <laughs> it's not. <laughs> why does he um, does he hate Ish? No, no, he was like, that's that's why I asked it because Ish was when 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 this was all when these three got put together, he was most excited about Ish. He said, "Oh, oh yeah. this is pick up when it when when the stuff was occurring." No, it is uh, not. But that'd be now it's burning down. Uh, no, uh, Ishmael Mossad or Mas- now I like saying Mossad. Like <laughs> I think that might be what it we'll is. Just call him Ish. I-, I wanted to call him Izzy, but I- it sounds like everyone calls him Ish. Yeah, yeah. People call him Ish on the team. That's his name. Um, but yes, he's going to be that stretch four. He's going to be starting next to Davion. You know, I'd be very shocked if he's not, I mean, they don't really have many other options anyway, um, at the bigs, but yes, he's a stretch them shooter. I mean, that's the thing the staff says, you know, and sources stay up, say about him the most is his shooting ability and, and what he can do. And that's, that's, I think what excites people the most. Um, and as it should, uh, and if you look at his shot, like he can get it up over probably anyone with his, with already how big he is and how much lift he gets on that and how high it is. Uh, that's all exciting. I do think though, people probably might be underestimating him in some other categories. Cause yes, he's a good shooter, but I think he's going to bring other attributes to the game, put the ball, have the ability to put the ball on the floor a little bit. Um, do some things that you saw Dean Wade do, but not to the extent Dean Wade did it. Um, but I think they're going to be able to run the offense through him a lot. I think he will be, you know, especially along the perimeter for shooters, probably like your third option um, offensively because, you, you know, you got Nigel and Mark, and I think Ish could be that next guy up because he is that Poe. And defensively, that's the scare. Um, and we'll see. We'll see if, if that can get – figured out right away if he's able to to buckle down and be a solid defender and I think he should be fine in that category but I think uh offensively he's going to be exciting to watch which is fun to fun to say because uh I don't know this team has a lot of potent offensive weapons that I feel like they haven't had in a couple years definitely and like I said at the top of the show the very first regular season game is November 10th versus Florida A&M what day of the week is November 10th Grant? Uh, I'm going to go with Wednesday. Yes, it is a Wednesday, and we typically are going to go live every Wednesday, 7 p.m. on Spotify Green Room. But for that game, we are going to be going live right at the conclusion of the game because we're going to be going live on Spotify Green Room during every weekday game for instant reaction, not only from me, not only from Grant, but from the Boneheads themselves. And who knows? Maybe Flando is going to dial into the Spotify green room from right there on press row, right as the buzzer hits zero. So download Spotify green room and join us. All right. Mike is back for his super senior season. Mike and Mark are your two super seniors. Um, My girl though, he's coming back after he was linged on more than he ever has been. Um, Is he going to be able to kind of step back and accept a lesser role this season? Or is he going to be a guy who says, no, Hey, I was the guy last year. I want to be the guy this year as well. I think he's going to step back. Um, I think they've already pretty much discussed that with Mike. Uh, I mean, I'm not positive on that, but I'm going to throw that out there just because it's like, that'd be the logical thing. Um, Or at least those discussions are coming. But I think Mike knows when they brought in these, these transfers that something was going to happen. And I think he was also um, inviting of these transfers. So he knew this team needed to get better. And I think he, I, I don't know, to me, I, I might get a little like uh, trying to 
psychoanalyze this guy. But to me, Mike McGurl is a guy that he's humble. He, he, he knows himself. He knows what he's capable of. Um, and last year he was asked to do those things and he tried his hardest and he did a solid job, but came up short on many occasions. I think he probably realizes that it's best for him to take a step back, allow Nigel Pack and Mark Smith run this offense, and he can be the guy that still starts. I, I still think he probably starts, but he's, but he's more, yeah, he's more of a complimentary piece offensively. And when he's open, you shoot it and you, and I think he can make it when he's open on the three. Um, sorry, my cat's trying to distract me all of a sudden. Hey, Caillou's a good boy. <laughs> he's trying to get up here. There he is. Oh, oh that's a guy. good cat. <laughs> Chauncey's underneath my desk, but he's gotten to the point where he's too big. I can't lift him up while I'm zooming. So, <laughs> yeah, this cat needs to get sprayed in the face at some point if he keeps doing this because I'm sick of him. No, I'm just kidding. But anyway, um, so yeah, I think Mike McGurl, as long as he figures out, and I think he will, figures out that he's in a better role where he's off the ball, you know, rarely running the offense like he had to do last year, because that's the thing. When I say it's Mark Smith and Nigel Pack this year, last year it was Nigel Pack and Mike McGurl, and Mike McGurl was first. Mike McGurl was the first guy they went to right out the the gate. He doesn't deserve that. He doesn't need that, and I think he realizes he's probably in a better position this year, and I'm sure it excites him to know that now they have more firepower, they can rely on. He's been around really good players his whole career. It's not like, you know, before last season he was never relied on like that. So now this year he can still have – his second largest role he's ever had on a team, but um, it'll also probably lead to more, uh, more success for this squad as well. Definitely. So Selton's back from the Olympic qualifying. He was off in Africa with his national team in Gola almost the entire summer. Has he been able to hit the ground running in Manhattan or is he still trying to get back up to speed after missing the summer? I think he's hitting the ground running from what I hear. I mean, that's what sources say. Um, they think, you know, his time overseas was actually more of a benefit than it was a hindrance. And I think I would agree, you know, he got, he got to be around, you know, grown men, um, play that point guard position <laughs> and be a guy that was, got to do something that only a few people in this world get to do is playing like do even Olympic qualifiers. I mean, that's, that's still a really cool honor and, and something that K-State can be proud of. And obviously Celta Miguel can be proud of. And I also think, yeah, it wasn't much of a hindrance. Yeah, sure, they'd probably rather have him around so they can continue to focus on getting that jumper better. But, I mean, I think he probably came away from his time in Angola, or, I mean, his time on the Angola national team, figured out how to better his handle and, and be a, a, a teammate with different people. And now he can take his, his experiences from that as life experiences and basketball experiences from that and better himself and be a better, more well-rounded basketball player and person for this team. So I think it's nothing but the best. I mean, we'll see what he's looking like come, you know, come scrimmages and stuff like that. But I think uh, they worked on his jumper in the spring. That's something they really wanted to do over the summer. Obviously they didn't have him. And over the summer, they were doing more stuff that Selton probably already got instilled in him during the season stuff. There's a lot more, you know, basic drills and stuff like that, that, I don't think necessarily Selton needed. Sure, it could have helped in some way, but it's not like he was off off on some mission trip. He was playing basketball against grown men. Um, I think I think it'll it'll definitely help him. Sources think that and and from what he's doing, he's been hitting the ground running since he's gotten back on campus. What role is he gonna fill? Because I, I think we both agree that the starting lineup is gonna be pack, 
uh, Mark Smith, Mike McGurl-ish, and Dobby Dunks. So yep. Selton is on the outside looking in. Is he going to be that ultimate sixth man where it's like, hey, it doesn't matter outside of Davion. It doesn't matter who needs to come out. He'll be the guy replacing him that first uh, substitute? Or what? where do you think he's going to fit in? I think that is – I think that's right. I think that's absolutely right. Because even if a guy like Ish comes out, they'll slide Mark Smith to the four. And and because they don't want Selton to play the small ball four this year, they will have him play. They don't even really want him to play the point much either. I mean, but they could, but they want him to lock down in those two and three positions. So he can be backing up, you know, Mark Smith, Mike McGurl, and Nigel Pack. And, and, and as they rotate, and they can figure out different formations. But yes, I do think, that's going to be his role, the ultimate sixth man. But that's the thing is you also have a guy like Marquise Noel on that bench who we'll talk about in a little bit, who also will be vying for a sixth man type of, I feel like, uh, title. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But I think Celta Miguel will, will get plenty of time off the bench and he will get, he'll probably be the first off the bench. Unless it's Nigel Pack, then I could see scenarios where it's Marquise Noel coming off the bench first. Yeah, so, um, so it'd be, you know, two, two through four, he'll yep. be the first guy off the bench. Noel will come in for Nigel if uh, he's the first one out and uh, big easy for Davi. That's what I would think, unless they want – because that's the thing is they like Mark Smith's size enough, but they also like him to run the offense. So they, they could just move Mark to the one, but I don't think they'll really ever do that too often just because his size is too valuable. Yep. All right. So you talked about Marquise Noel. Uh, so – He's another transfer that they brought in. He was fun to watch in practice, and it's actually a guy who, surprisingly enough, I enjoyed watching him during team periods more on defense than offense. He looked like a real dog, which is wild to say because, like, I think I'm taller than him. It's one of the, like, handful <laughs> of guys I might actually be taller than. Um, but he's going from being the guy at a smaller school to now being behind one of the, you know, best scores, uh, freshman scores K-State has seen you know, since he was the best one since I, I think uh, Marcus Foster. So yeah. is he going to be able to step in and kind of accept that, hey, look, I'm not going to be one of the first guys in the starting lineup every uh, game. You know, if, if I have it my way, Nigel Pack's never hurt. So like he may never start a game at K-State. Is he going to be able to step in, accept that role? Um, or do you think, hey, that's going to be a bit more of an adjustment than we'd like to think for him? I think he will be fine as long as his – defense shows up which you said that you uh like the way he it's fun to watch him and and he has that like and he he, when you're watching him it's like okay reminds you of playing in gym class or like pick up ball at the y or just like with your buddies at the street because like at at the top like bruce will like say nope stop 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 and like try to try to tell him to do something then when the ball comes back in he's like right there right at the beginning you know he's like the type of guy who's trying to do any trick in the book to get the ball back. And I, I just enjoy that kind of brand of defense. Again, uh, it's just kind of like the helter-skelter defense, just kind of like the wild, you know, you know, the 40 minutes of hell or even like the yep. Frank Martin type defense where he just kind of fits in. It's like, okay, I'm going to go 110%. I'm going to try to steal the ball and I'm going to try to, you know, get going. So that's kind of the vibe I picked up from him again. I was only in there for 30 minutes and it wasn't even all team while I was in there, but you know, from that small bit, that is what I really gravitated towards when I talked about Marquise Noel. And I think 
that area is something that I've, I think I caught on early on when I was watching a little bit of tape. Obviously, they don't show many defensive possessions, but they showed up some of him. Um, and that's kind of the pest that he showed that he could be. That's what the staff wants him to be is a pest, always up in guys' faces, and that's what he was already good at. Um, so it's exciting to know that he's doing that even in an open practice. Um, so he's, he's obviously already he's bought in early on, and that's something Weber said in his press conference that all these these transfers have bought in right away. None of them have showed any type of attitude of any sort, you know, towards them, and uh, they've all been really good in that area. But the key is because we'll see what happens once once guys actually start getting minutes and stuff. That's when egos can start getting checked at the door, and that's when you start understanding if if guys can't handle a situation. And maybe Marquise Noel is a guy that can't handle a situation if he doesn't get enough minutes. But I think he will get enough minutes. And the reason why is that defensive ability he has, because if he's solid enough on that end, it can be a pest enough. They will play him. And I have sources backing this up. They will play him with Nigel Pack on the floor at the same time. Um, I don't know how often that will come to fruition, but that's something that I think the staff's already looking into because they know how, offensively they could be with those two out there but they also know defensively Nigel Pack's already a liability I think that's the thing is Marquise Noel even though he's much you know even shorter than Nigel Pack he is a better defender and I think that is the reason why they're going to be able to play together and that's probably going to be the reason why they like Noel a lot is his defensive ability and his willingness to defend because we know this team likes defense and they're going to reward him for that so if he continues to be if he to show that he can and when when games start flying and the bullets actually start flying around he can guard these bigger dudes and, and be a pest or at least disrupt them enough and be out there with pack and they're not getting torched every time then then it could be exciting and that's when you're going to start to see uh i think a marquise noel that's very happy with this role even even if it is coming off the bench um and then you have two really solid dudes if not three when you count in luke kazuki um, as three guards coming off the bench um, and, and when talking about their defensive abilities. Yeah, Luke the Soup Kasuki, uh, he's a guy who it's like a surprising defender because when he got his minutes last year, um, it, it was not for his offensive ability. Uh, he, he surprisingly was a plus defender, at least in yeah. my book. Um, is he going to be able to figure out his shot? Wait, sorry, go ahead. In this, in this, it's it, it, he was a plus defender in the staff's book too. They love. His, I mean, Weber said it. Other sources have said it. They love his defensive ability already. Yeah, definitely. And again, coming back from that injury, hopefully he's able to show that athleticism uh, that I think he wasn't given enough credit for as a recruit. Uh, but is he going to be able to figure out his offensive side of the game? Because again, uh, it was a surprise to me again, I hand up. I, I probably didn't realize that he had the, the ability to be such a good defender, but if he can get the offensive side of it to come along as well, then all of a sudden it's like, okay, how many guys on this team really have it checked in on both sides of the floor as well as him? Again, it's a big ask to go from what he was on offense last year to having it, uh, you know, checked in. So that's yeah. a big jump, but if he can, can he get there? Then if he does, you know, how great would he be, especially since he will be coming off the bench? When you say it, the potential he has offensively, you bring up a good point that I never really thought about. The fact that if he's if he's able to live up to his offensive potential, I don't think there's any question that he's probably the most exciting or most potent two-way player. I mean, defensively, but that's the thing is offensively, yeah, he showed to be a total, really a, a 
stud last season when he shooting every shot he took I thought oh that thing's going in it looked beautiful his stroke looked good he was open for a lot of them and he just couldn't make it um and that's that's a big aspect that's why yeah I totally agree you have to see it to believe it offensively with him but yes if he can figure that out and that's still something that I, I I can say I hope he figures it out and I think he will because like I say I think his potential is that good his his jumper is that smooth. He's got good handles. Um, he's got good athleticism. Um, I don't see any reason why he can't turn it around. I know that the staff's rooting for him. You know the staff loves what he brings to the table, obviously, with his defense. They want his offense to get figured out. And if it, if it does, he will be another really, you know, solid piece off the bench. Definitely. Uh, gut check time. So, again, we're still about a month out. Yeah. What do you think ultimately the record is going to be? And then if you don't want to actually get yourself into a record, let me then instead ask this. Whereabouts do they finish in the Big 12 if you don't want to give me a record? And do they get back to the NCAA tournament? Which I think a lot of fans have kind of said, look, Bruce needs to get back to the NCAA tournament uh, or he should go. I think a lot of fans actually probably would have already had him leave. Um but this is kind of the boat I'm in. I, I knew last year was going to be rough. So the second they brought him back after the disappointment that was uh, the season before, you know, with Cardi and Mac uh, coming back, you know, post Dean Wade and Barry, I, I said to myself, all right, you know, that season sucked. If you're going to keep him around, you have to give him until you have to give him 21 and 22. Um, so yeah. here we are. In my head, look, I, I think it might be time to make a change if he doesn't get to the NCAA tournament. I know Gene Taylor's not going to publicly say that. I don't think he's even going to leak that out there because, again, having such a concrete thing out there, it's it's not good for anyone. But I think that's where a lot of fans are. So, again, I, I asked the question, then I expanded on it a ton. So I'm sorry. So I love just kind of give me your gut check. Okay, do they get to the tournament? Where do they finish in the Big 12? Uh, what are they going to do in the non-con and all that type of stuff? So just kind of give me your gut check. I'm not going to hold you to it. I'm not going to, you know, in April on April 1st, like rebroadcast us and be like, oh, LOL. <laughs> uh, so just kind of we're sitting here. It's it's October 8th. So just give me your best gut check. Um, I mean, yeah, I think fifth or sixth in the Big 12. I think eight or nine wins in league play. So eight and 10 or nine and nine in league play is kind of what I'm thinking. And I think, I think they can win 10, around 10 games in, in, in non-con play. Let's see. Cause I think they have 12 non-con games. I think I'm looking at a, an overall record of either 18 and 12 or 19 and 11. That's kind of where I'm at. I think that can be where they finish and I, that's the thing is the non-cons it is tough when you look at it because of all the you know solid opponents when you look at Wichita, Wichita State, State Nebraska I mean, yeah Nebraska is old Miss down the line um and then obviously Arkansas right off the bat is probably going to be one of your toughest ones all season so I think that one's a for sure loss but outside of that Arkansas game I think they can win every game outside of that game it's not, it doesn't mean they will um and they probably won't um, but I see a scenario where they can, because I think they're that going to be that solid of a team. Now, this is before me knowing everything on these other teams, rosters and stuff like that. But generally I think that, uh, yes, I'm, I'm high on K state because, um, you know, the, it's, it's time to be, I mean, Mark Smith coming in, he's going to be integral. 
uh, Nigel Pack in his second year. Everything that's, I mean, I could go down the, the list and everything that I think this team all of a sudden can take this to new lengths compared to last season. Um, and I, yeah, I think they make the tournament. They're fifth or sixth in the Big 12, um, maybe seventh, but you know, seventh's teetering. Sometimes you don't get into the tournament. Um, and I think that I think they can be better than seventh anyway, when kind of looking at the big 12. Um, and I've, I've talked about it on the board. I think there's only a few for sure losses uh, in the big 12 that I could chalk up. And the only one that I can really think of is Kansas as, as much as people don't want to on the road. We're going to be, yeah, them, uh, I, I, lo- I love it. I love it. I can't do that unless, unless I put on my purple tinted glasses, which I, I usually like to do. But Talk about freaking having to manage egos. He has like 25 star. Oh my gosh. Adidas, when the transfer portal opened up, Adidas must have gotten the bags back. <laughs> How they have that rot. Oh my God. I know that's the thing. Is it it's very unfair? And that's why you can't you can't really go, oh, maybe K-State. No, Kansas is probably gonna win the league this year, unfortunately. Yes. Um, and yeah, probably sweep K-State. But outside of that, I don't see a for sure sweep in the league. I'm going their way, whereas they can sweep uh, TC, uh, I, Iowa State and possibly teams like TCU. Yeah, no, I'm right there with you. All right, final question, then I'll let you plug anything going on at KSO because here I am. I've done it again. I said I was never really going to get emotionally invested in a singular recruit again, but I really want Rylan Griffin. Uh, you know, he has the connection to GIF. He's boys with shame. The entire staff was down in Texas and was in his home before going on some other visits. Uh, so, of course, in, in the world of recruiting, just a, another timestamp, we're recording this in the afternoon on uh, October 8th. This won't be released until uh, the Monday morning of October 11th. So basically everything in the world can change in the next 72 hours or so. But what, what's your gut on that recruitment? Can they pull it off? Can they close the deal? Um, or is this going to be one where it's like, all right, you know, Scott, don't get emotionally invested. Try to <laughs> try to use your uh, sports energy towards something else. Uh, so just kind yeah. of talk about that. Or if you want to, you can also touch on any of the recruiting visits that were going down in Texas this week. He, Rylan Griffin is a really good player. I'm really excited about what he could possibly bring to K-State if he chooses K-State. Um, but man, it's an interesting recruitment. It's really, really interesting because – I honestly, and this will piss some fans off and let it piss off. I don't don't think the staff will give two hells. Um, but it seems like to me that there, and and maybe there's some names that I just I have not been given yet, and that's fine. But it seems to me that they have put all their eggs in the Riley Griffin basket at this point because all the other 22s they were going after that at that position have committed elsewhere. Um, and and you know they haven't really recently offered anyone and there's no one that I could put on the last big board under Griffin that was a 2022. Um, so it does seem like they're putting all of their eggs in one basket. Um, but he's a really good player. They have the connections, the big get connection, as you stated, Shane Southwell is, is, you know, as young as he is, he is making as big of a recruiting splash as really anyone coming into the game this early, especially at a, a school like K state. Um, I mean, and this would be the one, this would be the, the one to really make a splash because I mean, when looking at it, you know, Shane's obviously he got Maximus Edwards early on. That was a nice pickup, but nothing too flashy of any sorts. I mean, getting Marquise Noel and, and, and Ishmael Masood in, in the transfer portal was giant, huge, but this is something that could really take Shane Southwell's perception to the next level. 
um, if he's able to land this recruit. And I think that, yeah, they're in there. They were just saw him this past week for an in-home visit. He's K-State is the first visit that he took official visit over the summer. First one he ever took. And then he took another one to Oklahoma state over the summer. Then he visited um, Georgia. Uh, and then he visited Oklahoma this past weekend. And then we are presuming he is not given this information. Now he's always coy with me. I asked him, he was, <laughs> I was like, hey, bro, when are you going to, you know, you going to commit, uh, or no, when's your, when's your, when are you going to bit, what place are you going to visit for the last visit? You know, cause we don't know. It could be either Kansas or Alabama is kind of what we're thinking. I lean towards Alabama cause he canceled his Kansas visit. Um, it was late night. He's, a cat. Was, he's, a, he's cat, a cat, baby. baby. <laughs> He canceled his uh, Lawrence visit this past weekend, decided to go to Oklahoma, which is interesting. I still don't think, I think if K-State gets beat, it's beat by the SEC. It's either Georgia or it's Alabama. So if he's going to Alabama, Oklahoma's final visit. Oh, that is, that is a good point. (laughs) I I don't think Oklahoma's at, that's the thing is with Porter Moser coming in late, they got into the game a lot later than these other ones. And kudos to them for getting him in for a visit and getting him to cancel this cancel. Kansas visit to, to make it to Oklahoma because uh, like kudos to Porter for that, because, you know, that's not easy either to jump into this recruitment, a guy that early on um, I asked, I asked Griffin early on, like, Hey, have you heard from Porter Moser um, since he got the job? And he said, no. So obviously they've made up ground and they're in there, but I think this is going to come down to K-State, Georgia and Alabama. And I mean, it's really going to come down to where he wants to play. I, I think K-State's a good good fit for him. He'd be able to play a lot, I think, really early on when you look at, and this is what I'm thinking the staff's probably telling him, when you look at Mike McGurl and Mark Smith both leaving the program, you can have, um, you know, plenty of minutes to show a recruit um, or, I mean, a transfer later down the line. But right now you can show that to a recruit, especially of this caliber and this guy that they really want in the program and know it will change things. But ultimately, I just can't do it, man. I can't freaking say that he's going to come to K-State because of everything else. I mean, until I get confirmation, I don't want to get fans' hopes up. Um, UI kind of did that. <laughs> I know. It's probably, yeah, it's probably already too late. That's what happens. The moment you put a four-star on a big board, he stays on that big board at the number one spot for weeks and weeks and weeks. You're going to get hyped up about him, as you should. But I've continually kept my own caution because this this is a staff without a contract uh, in place. This is a, a team coming off of really two really bad seasons. The only selling points they have right now, and I think they are solid selling points. But when you're but it's it's balancing right there. You have those on one side, and then on the other side you have Big Gip, you have Shane, you have the connections, you have the playing time you can you can try to get you you know coax him with. But that's the thing is uh, won't, won't he maybe want to try going somewhere that has a better contract in place like a Georgia no. or Alabama. No. But, but in this new transfer era as well, he could think I might as well take my chances in K- at K-State if, if, if Bruce Weber ends up getting canned or whatever down the line or moves on down the line, I can transfer someone else um, without, without any penalty. So, yeah, I'm not ready to sit here and say chalk it up, keep an eye on the board, because when I get that information, that's going directly to the board and and, and we can all get excited about it um, or sad if I get the information that he's going somewhere else. But 
I, you know, I really like Rylan, his game, um, his family. That's the thing is K-State's probably got his family and all the connections probably have the best connection with him as far as that goes. But is that going to make the difference when you're looking at a contract situation like that? And um, the fact it's been a couple of bad seasons in a row. Definitely. All right. Well, that's all I have for you. Uh, plug, plug to all the boneheads, what you guys got going on over at KSO. And uh, if you, if you're going to have anything uh, special you're covering in the buildup to basketball season. Yeah. I mean, so we're basically in the middle of football season right now, obviously if you, during the bye week, you can check out some of the stuff I've written on basketball. Um, but yeah, I'll have some preview preview articles, you know, getting us ready for the season, whether that's looking at other big 12 teams, or, I mean, that's probably going to be while this, the non-cons going as well, because that's when we can really start deep diving into big 12 and what they're looking like, because that's kind of what I'm going to want to do when that happens. But before the season, I think, you know, just breaking down each position really closely, uh, making sure people know what's happening at each position and as well as, you know, where people at uh, the recruiting as well, We've got to keep that going as well. So I think that's pretty much what we're going to do is preview the season, get some preview pods in as well. I'm sure with me and DY um, and get ready. Oh, and then of course, big 12 media day is October 20th, Wednesday, October 20th. And that will be, you know, the big time where I can get a lot of, a lot of fun, you know, stuff for the site. Unfortunately, it's only one player coming to that when usually it's like three. Um, I'm sure it's because of COVID and, and with football, the football one got stunted this past summer. They only got to bring um, two players instead of the regular, what, like four players? Is it four? Yeah, usually? four. Yeah. Um, whereas, you know, basketball, they usually bring three guys in, which I would have brought, I would have, if I, if I could bring three K-State guys, It'd be Ooh. Nigel Pack, yep. Mark Smith this year, and, mm -hmm. and probably Mike McGurl, you know. Uh, I bet you they bring Mike McGurl. That's probably who they end up bringing, the guy who's given, you know, he, he pretty much bleeds purple. He feels like he's been here forever. Um, and Just I, I imagine think he if he actually would have redshirted when he was supposed to. He could have, like, taken a sen super senior season next year. <laughs> That's like it could have been like a full Skylar Thompson situation. Uh huh. No, I kind of wish that would have happened. No, I'm just kidding. I think I think Mike's gonna be good for this season. And that's the thing though, too, is his scholarships completely doesn't even count, which is nice. Like, but it, it's interesting. They have 12 scholarships. And this players. is just for people listening. This is the only year where that's the case. Yeah. So if Nigel Pack and Davion Bradford want to use their super senior season it will count against the scholarship limit when that time comes. Isn't that interesting? Mike McGurl. And that's because, because even, yeah, even transfers, it's really weird how this works because even transfers, they count because Mark yeah. Smith is a super senior, but he's counting he against the salary. It is interesting how that works. Yeah. All right. Well, that's all we have. If uh, Grant Copeland was here, he'd say, meet me at the Cathead. I would say, Hey, love everyone except for Iowa State fans. It's officially Farmageddon week when you guys are listening to it. I'm changing my Twitter name on uh, Twitter, I'm, I'm going to add those wheat emojis and maybe one of those purple little devil smiley faces uh, because it's Farmageddon week and we got to let those cyclones know that wheat is better than corn. We got to stay on our troll game. Bring your best tweets all week. Maybe I will send out a special koozie to anyone who has the best Iowa State tweet this week 
So if you, if you see anything good out there, send it to me in the DMs. And if it's good, I'll send you a koozie. We love you guys. Tell your friends. Get over to KSO because that's where the great Grant Flanders is holding it down. Uh, we'll be seeing you guys on Wednesday, Spotify Green Room, and you'll be seeing our uh, Iowa State preview show here in the feed in a couple of days. Uh, we love clones. you guys. What'd you say? Fuck the clones. Yes, I agree. Hard agree. <laughs>